Well, good morning. Hey, you guys lied to me last week, those of you in person. I told everybody last week that we were going to tip over this way as a church in, inside of here. And if I had people say, we're, you didn't. For those of you at home, just uh, don't worry. You, you don't know if that's okay. But um, just say we're out of balance a little bit, but that's all right. That's kind of a reflection of most of our lives. Right? We're kind of that way. So good morning. Welcome. Whether you're here in person, great to see you. Those of you online, hope you're doing fine. Um, Let me ask you this. Have you ever heard something or read something in the Bible and kind of paused and said, I wonder why that's there. I wonder what that meant. I wonder why God said that. How does that affect me? Well, today we're going to talk about one of those subjects, and I just want to say that we have people in this room, we have people watching online, listen, we come from different backgrounds, different religious backgrounds, different upbringings, different beliefs about certain things, whether we've studied it ourselves or whatever, we've just heard these things over and over, and so we believe certain things because we've heard them over and over and over. But for many people, they've really never checked out and read the Scripture about some of these subjects. So this morning, we're going to talk about one of those. And let me assure you that God never meant for this subject that can be so confusing, God never meant for it to be confusing. The subject that we're going to talk about today is baptism. And baptism was never meant to be one of these things that we'd have to sit around and wonder about. Like, what's its purpose? Who's to do that, and who doesn't do that, and when should you do that, and what does it all mean? So we're going to look at that together. If you would, take out your message outlines. The reason that we're wrapping up our series of messages today called Favorites with Baptism is because, quite honestly, baptism is one of my favorites. It's one of my favorites because of what it represents, and and what it represents is life change. What it represents is heaven got one person bigger. It means that here was a person that was separated from God that made a decision in their heart that we couldn't see and it's a coming out party that I'm now a follower of Jesus Christ. And there's nothing greater than that because trust me, that will be talked about for all eternity because eternity is real. We're going to start in Matthew 28 verse 18. This is kind of God's directions for his church, right? The Great Commission is what this is called. Verse 18, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. We need to stop right there. All authority on heaven and on earth is given to him. We should memorize that verse. God's in control. I take comfort in a world of chaos that my God is in control. My God is not concerned about who sits in the White House. He doesn't get worried about the economy. He doesn't get worried about politics and everything that goes around in the news. He said, I have all authority, not only on earth, but also in heaven. As a follower of Jesus, let me just tell you, that's exciting. So Jesus has all authority. That's great news. That pumps me up. I can tell you that. Maybe you need that this morning just to understand that we have a God that's totally in control. Look at verse 19 and 20. Therefore, because that is true, he's talking to his church, go, take action, get involved, 
Get onto the playing field. He's speaking to Christ followers. Don't form holy huddles and sing kumbaya because we love each other. We've, we're on a mission. We've got stuff to do. I want you to go and do what? Go and make disciples of all nations. That's his orders to us as followers of Christ. To reach people. To teach them about Christ. That's why we're so committed to doing that for all age levels at Crossroads. Can I just tell you what a disciple is? A disciple is not somebody that knows a lot of information. I think in America, at least, we get off balance on what a disciple is. A disciple isn't somebody necessarily that can quote every verse of Scripture, that knows the Bible frontwards and backwards, that can quote it to you, that can talk to you about it. A disciple is somebody that knows and does. Not just to be a hearer of the word, but a doer of the word. Let me just, so you'll know where I am as a pastor. I want to see more and more people follow Jesus. When I gave my life to Christ at 22 and ended up quitting engineering to go into being a pastor, um, I said, God, may I never lose the passion and may I never forget what it was like to be disconnected from you. I want people to experience what I've experienced. Salvation. All of my sins forgiven. The promise of eternal life in heaven. I want people to experience you, Jesus, like I experienced you. Here we are 34 years later, and listen, I still have a passion to see people cross the line of faith and give their lives to Jesus. I, I have done so many funerals, right, where you might scratch your head and you wonder, did they know you? Did they know you? Because now it's too late if they didn't. We've got work to do. I've got work to do. You, as a follower, have work to do. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing. That's the first mark that Jesus said a follower of his should take. Once they make a heart decision, baptism is their next step. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That's what Jesus said. Today I want to ask you three personal questions. These are questions that only you can answer, questions only you can do something about. So if you have your note sheets, listen, this isn't for Lulu, this isn't for Billy Bob, this isn't for your cousin Harry or whoever. These are for you. Question number one, what is my next step? Listen, no matter where you are in life, no matter how old you are, no matter how young you are, every single one of us has a next step. What's yours? What's your next step in life? What's your next step in your faith? What's your next step as a Christ follower? What is your next step in becoming and doing all that God puts you on this planet to do? Because God wants all of us to take a next step. If you're here today or you're listening today, wherever you're listening from, and you've never crossed the line of faith and turned over ownership of your heart with your own lips to the person of Jesus Christ, that's your next step. Make no mistake, before you make another decision, you can't make a better decision than turning from your sin and turning and giving your heart and life to Jesus Christ. It changes eternity. It changes the rest of your life. What will your next step be? 
What is my next step? I encourage you to give that some thought and then some action. My first step with God is to receive Jesus as my Savior, as my personal Savior. If you've not done that, that's your first step, is to receive Jesus Christ, God's Son, into your heart and life as your personal Savior. And then once you meet Him, listen, once I met Jesus, once you have met Jesus, this is the starting point to the journey, right? That's a starting point. You're adopted into His family now. You can fill this in, and I'll take next steps for the rest of my life. A Christian should never quit growing. A Christ follower never gets to the point where I don't have a next step. So what we should really be saying is no matter how long I've been a follower, if I am, what's my next step? If I'm not a follower, your first step is to receive him as Savior and Lord and then take a series of next steps. Now here's what's interesting. This fascinates me. God knows all of us have different personalities. He's not surprised by that. We all have different preferences. We all come from different places. We've got different ideas. For some things that fill your bucket, it might drain my bucket. We're all different because God's created us different so that together, when he puts believers together, we can do something we couldn't do alone. So it's not by accident, it's by design. For instance, let me just paint a picture of this. How many of you, if you have a steak, would prefer to have your steak either medium rare or rare? How many of you say, well done, just eat a hamburger? <laughs> really? Nah. See, we're all different. If you cook a steak beyond medium rare, to me, you're ruining the steak. I used to cook at a steak restaurant. If somebody would order well done, I'd almost throw up in the kitchen. I'm like, are you kidding me? But here's what I know. Most people that want a, want a well done steak, you know what they don't want to see? Blood. I tell people that want them well done, if I could blindfold you and make you a steak, you'd never eat a well done steak again. I believe that. Some of you say, well, so what? I'll, raise my, I'll eat mine the way I want but we're different, right? That's what the point is. Not just that you're wrong, we're just different. How many of you don't even eat steak? We ought to go out to dinner. You and I, you can have my veggies, I'll eat your steak. How about that? Well, we're different. I like that. How many of you, when you take a shower, I assume that you do, or a bath and you use a towel that to you, after you've dried off with that towel, that towel's now dirty, and you'll get another one next time. How many of you said, I just got out of the shower, I'm clean, towels never get dirty. <laughs> wow! <laughs> Those of you that are home, you might not want to sit with some of these people that are here just <laughs> right now. <laughs> oh my goodness, that was... We're different. We're different. Did you know I just read this? This was free. It just popped into my head that they just had a survey of how often people change their sheets. No kidding. Some people, the very, very few, change their sheets once a week. Anybody here, once a week, you change your sheets. Others, once a month. Get this 30% once a year. 
I kind of think the people changing towels every time, maybe that's why they, never mind. Anyway. <laughs> I told you we're getting personal today. Have you taken your first step in this journey with the God that created you through His Son? And the very next step that every single one of us is to take after we make a heart decision to follow Jesus is to go public because people couldn't see the decision we made in our heart. And that's the purpose of baptism. Which leads me to the second question. Have I gone, have I gone public with my faith through baptism? Have I gone public? You should be able to go back. You might not have it dotted on your calendar of what day you received Christ, but I can tell you this. I remember where I was. I remember being in the parking lot of a golf course. I can still picture it. I can remember kneeling in the front floorboard of a Ford pickup truck when I gave my heart to Christ. No doubt about it, that's the day I became a follower of Jesus. My next step was to go public with my faith through baptism. I didn't know that until the pastor that led me to Christ told me, hey, I'm like, this is so exciting. And he's like, you know what's next? I'm like, no, you ought to, this is what you do. This is what Jesus said you do. And I can remember that still to this day. And I was so excited. But some people get nervous about that. Let me explain it this way. On December 31st, 1982, I made the second best decision of my entire life. My first, the greatest decision was on that golf course. But prior to that, I made a decision on December 31st, 1982, to marry, way above my head, Debbie. If you know Debbie, you know that. I mean, there's no doubt. She, yeah, I, she's way out of my league, yeah. And I'll never forget that day. I was standing at the altar just praying that she would show up. I, I, is she really going to be there? Her family wasn't that fond of me. And I remember those in that little chapel on Vandenberg Air Force Base, the back doors opening, and she was standing there with her dad, and she had her wedding dress on. And I remember it was like tunnel vision. I don't remember who was there necessarily. I couldn't tell you what music was played, but I can still picture her walking down that aisle with her dad, and I was numb. I was thinking, this is unbelievable. And it was a beautiful ceremony, I'm sure. But I honestly had like tunnel vision, and I can remember seeing her, and I can remember seeing her standing there in that gown, and I don't really remember all the vows that were said, but I know that when he got done, that he talked about rings, and he asked me to take out a ring and then to put it on her finger, which I did, and then he asked if she had a ring, and she took it out and put it on my finger, and when it was all said and done, he pronounced us Mr. and Mrs., Scott Winstead, and I'll never, ever forget that day, that commitment that we made. That ceremony that we did, we did it publicly. We pledged our love and our commitment to each other in a public way. Now, ladies especially, let me ask you to think about this for a second. Let's say I told Debbie that when I gave her that engagement ring, here, I'm giving you this ring, but can I ask you something a little odd? I'm giving this to you because I love you, but would you mind hiding it like in your pocket? 
or in your purse. Like, I really would prefer that you don't wear it because that's going to be awkward if people know that, like, I'm committed to you. Like, I'd really kind of like this to be between us. How many ladies would think, no, thank you? What if I said, in matter of fact, you know, let's not even hang out that much. Like, maybe for our marriage to last, like, we ought to get together once a week or a couple times a month. Because I really think I'm better if I'm just kind of by myself. I know you say you're committed to me, but do we have to do so much of it in public? Nobody wants a marriage like that. You know what most ladies do? They get way more excited a lot of times than the men do. When you give them a, a promise ring or an engagement ring, they go show it off. Now, now, honestly, I was in the Air Force when we got married. She didn't have a ring to show off as far as like, look at that rock. They'd be like, where? <laughs> but we went public because we wanted to share our decision to commit ourselves for the rest of our lives to each other. That's the purpose of baptism. That ring that I still wear today, I could take that off. I'm still married. I'm still committed. But it's a symbol to other people. My wife wears it because it's a symbol to other people. And it's a symbol to us. It takes us back to that decision that we made on December 31st, 1982. We're still in this together. We're proud of the decision, at least most of the time. I, I, I know I am. I'm not sure she always is. But anyway, you know what I'm saying. And, and, and as followers, we're called to go public with our faith that after you give your heart to Christ, which is an internal thing, no one can see. Lights don't go off in your eyes. And fireworks don't shoot out of your ears. People don't know until you do something about it. And Christ set that up from the very beginning, said your next step is to go public through baptism. You stand in these waters as a picture of what happened in your heart. The old you died when you gave your heart to Christ, not in the water. It happened prior to that. When you get put below the water, it's, re, it's a remembrance of Christ being buried after he died and went into the grave. And as you come out of the water, it's symbolic of Jesus being buried in a borrowed tomb. And three days later, he defeated death. That's the picture of what baptism is. But baptism doesn't save you. Your commitment to Christ prior to that did that. This is your coming out. <laughs> It's like the wedding ring for the Christian. Baptism doesn't make you a Christian. My ring didn't make me a married. It was going through this ceremony. It was making a decision of the heart. Baptism won't make you a Christian. It just shows the world that you are and that you're proud to say, I am. Three questions real quickly in regard to baptism and specifically even what we do here at Crossroads and why. Number or the first bullet is how do we baptize at Crossroads? And the answer is by immersion. That means we put people under the water. Why? Because it's the best way to symbolize a death and a burial. In God's Word, in, it talks about baptizo, means to dip under or to immerse in water. That's why we do that. Some of you are saying, well, gee whiz, then I'm going to hell because I did it wrong. <laughs> Baptism doesn't save you. We do it by immersion because it, that's what God's Word says. That's the Greek words of what they did. We just want to teach people to do it God's way. 
Christ himself was baptized by immersion. How do you know? Look at Matthew 3.16. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. It's that baptizo and then coming out of that water. That's how we baptize. Why should I be baptized? That's a fair question. Here's why. Because Christ commands it. <laughs> he commanded it. That's why you do it. He's my, I made him Lord and Savior. The first thing he has to do, go public with that. I don't know. Doesn't even make sense. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. Baptizing is about God gaining the glory. It's one of the most selfless acts. It's about showing ownership. I belong to Jesus now, and I'm proud to say it. You get to do that. If you haven't done that, I've talked to people, listen, they gave their life to Christ 20 or 30 years ago. Nobody ever explained it to a baptism to them. But today you know. If you know now, then we get to do something about it. And now, here's the other bullet. I get baptized. Why? To publicly identify myself as a follower of Jesus. To publicly identify myself as a follower. Jesus hung publicly. He wants us to go public with our faith. Have you done it? The first question, though, is have you given your life to Christ, right? Then have you followed up that with a believer's baptism, going public with your faith? Do you realize when Christ died on that cross, He did it so that all of our sins could be forgiven? So that when you did trust Him, you could cash in on his payment that he's already paid for all of your wrongdoing. And can I just tell you this? All of my wrongdoing was paid for before I was even born. And once I trusted Christ, I got credit for his perfection because he's already taken the punishment for all of my sin. And when I received him and realized what happened, I was so proud to get baptized. Was I nervous? Absolutely. Because in that little church in Texas, when, it was, when you knew that was your next step, they asked you to come on down. That was before the price is right. Well, maybe not. Bob Barker's an old dude. But anyway, um, and I remember doing that. And the cool thing is, after I gave my life to Christ, my wife gave her life to Christ, and we were both baptized across the street from this little church in a river. And I'll never forget going public with my faith. And she did it for hers. And listen, we couldn't do it for each other. That's a decision only you can make. What about Jesus? Look at Matthew 3.13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. Came from Galilee to Jordan. I read that I don't know how many years before I decided to look it up. I don't even remember what made me look it up. But do you know how far it is from Galilee to Jordan? 60 miles, Jesus walked to show us, by example, what he wanted us to do when we gave our lives to Christ. How big of a deal is it? It's a big deal if you're willing to walk 60 miles to do it. Some of us won't walk across the street to do something because it's not that important. Jesus said, this is how important it is. When should I be baptized? And that's a great question. When should I be baptized? As soon as I've believed. As soon as you possibly can after you cross the line of faith. And the Bible says, it says salvation, that's first, that's me giving my life to Christ, asking him to forgive me, then baptism. 
There's no such thing in the Bible as baptizing someone and then them giving their life to Jesus. That's backwards. That's not even the purpose. That'd be like me wearing a wedding ring for years and you say, are you married? And I'd say, no, but I hope to be one day. It's out of order. It doesn't make sense. That's not the purpose of a wedding ring. Acts chapter 2, verse 41, beautiful picture of what happened on the day of Pentecost. Those who accepted his message, that's the gospel message. That was people that were lost and gave their hearts to Christ by faith, were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Can you imagine? I don't remember what our biggest baptism day was. I want to say we did 50 or 60 people in one day before, but can you imagine 3,000? Can you imagine that? 3,000 coming out parties of people that had crossed the line of faith? That just blows my mind. Now, there's basically three main issues that come up whenever we talk about baptism. I want to go over those really briefly um, because I hear all kinds of things. Like people that don't quite understand baptism, they're like, well, I, you know, I gave my life to Christ and I was baptized, but I, like, I've sinned quite a bit since then and maybe I've strayed away or whatever. Do I need to get rebaptized? Well, that's not the purpose of baptism. That's like me saying every time that I've done something that hurt my wife's feelings or whatever, we need to go have a ceremony again and you need to give me a ring. Can I just tell you how to have a whole necklace with rings on it? And that was just from last week, right? You don't need to get rebaptized. Here's the question. Did you do it in this order? Have you, do you know for certain you've given your heart and life to Jesus Christ? Can you remember a place, a time? You remember saying it with your own lips. Jesus saved me. I turned from my sins and I turned to you. If you say, I remember that day. Have you been baptized? And if you want to get specific, by immersion since then. And if the answer is no, then you're a candidate. Then you should. Matter of fact, Jesus will say, yes, let's do that. And you know, here's what's cool. You get to invite family and friends. God gets you to use that moment. That's one question. Another one, what about babies? Well, let me tell you this. You can read through the Scripture from top to bottom. There's not one instance anywhere in Scripture where an infant was baptized. Not one. Why? Because that's not the purpose of baptism. Baptism doesn't save you. I can't make a decision. When my kids were little, I couldn't make them Christian and dunk them. If I'd have done it, I'd have been dunking them every day, especially one of my kids. I mean... <laughs> Every day, like, ooh, sinner, dunk, 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 right? That's not the purpose of baptism. I understand this. This practice didn't start for years and years and years and years and years after Jesus' time. And I'm sure it was well-intentioned because we'd want to do anything to protect our kids. But baptism isn't that vehicle. Now, we do at Crossroads, what we do is call parent-child dedications, what does that mean? That's a decision that parents can make to raise their children, this small child, this infant, in a God-honoring home, in a God-honoring way, being an example, because trust me, if you'll be who God wants you to be and model what it means to be a follower, the more likely your child, as they grow up, will see that and want to follow Christ themselves and make that decision for themselves. Way different than an infant baptism. There's 27 references in the New Testament to baptism. And every single one of those references of baptism came after an individual made the decision for themselves to follow Christ. So we wait until a child is old enough. Now, our kids, I don't remember the specific age. I'm sure my wife could say, I can't believe you don't remember that. But I want to say one of our kids around six, one around five, seven, made a decision to follow Jesus. Now, of course, I want to say, do you really know what that means? And the Bible talks about childlike faith. 
I think sometimes as adults we make it too difficult. But I know this, that I didn't want to baptize my kids until I recognized and realized that they really knew what it meant and they had received Jesus as their Savior. So we wait until our kids are old enough to make a decision. You can pray for them. Man, be faithful. Be faithful to God. Be faithful to His church. Be faithful in your life. Pray for them. Beg God for their salvation. But don't use baptism. Don't, we don't do that. That's not what baptism was about. Okay? For some of you, you say, well, gee whiz, what does that do for me? Because maybe in your home, you were baptized as an infant. You had nothing to do with it. I can guarantee you didn't decide to do it. Your well-intentioned parents did that. I don't want you to call them up on the phone or write them a letter and say, hey, you did a bad thing to me. I mean, that wasn't even the purpose. Do you know that? There's no benefit to that. I just want you to understand what the Bible says, and then you make your decision to do that. Um, they were well-intentioned. It's just not the purpose of baptism. Have you given your life to Christ? And if so, have you been baptized since? Okay. And then take a step. Number three, third question. What am I waiting for? <laughs> what am I waiting for? If you've received Christ as your Savior and you haven't been baptized yet, whether that was last week, whether it was 10 years ago, whether it's today, because I'm going to give you a chance at the end of today, then what are you waiting for? Just do it. If you've trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior and you haven't went public, then do it. And here's the cool thing. Next Sunday, we're, we're doing it. And we're going to do it outside. We're doing it at Lock Aaron. Lee, Lee and Vicki Prettyman's house, a beautiful place on Lock Aaron at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Today, for those of you that say, wow, I, I don't have to wait like six months or a year or whatever or three months. I can do it next week. How cool is this? You can... Sign up today and be baptized next Sunday. You can invite your family, your friends. Listen, it's so important because Jesus said it was. I hope you're so proud. I hope you're so excited. For some of you say, man, I wish I'd have heard this 20 years ago. You didn't. That's okay. Jesus said, now that you know, what are you waiting for? Let's just do this. And uh, it's going to be, it's always an exciting celebration. We love doing it outdoors. I can't wait the next one that we do, right? Who knows where? But don't wait. Just take a step of obedience. Think about Christ. Set an example. He was born as a baby, grew up to be a man, just like us. A human being, but he never, ever sinned. He died a horrible death for you and for me to pay for our sins. He was buried in a borrowed tomb. And three days later, he defied death and he rose from the dead. And he ascended to the Father in heaven where he's seated at the right hand of God right now with all authority and all rules and all power and all dominion. He's higher than the highest. He's greater than the greatest. And his whole reason for coming was to rescue you and I who are sinners. His whole reason he was willing to suffer on that cross for something he had never done because he said you and I were worth him suffering for. And because he knew that his father loved us so much, wanted to spend eternity with us, 
that we didn't qualify because we were imperfect. He took all of our sins on Himself and three days later defeated death so that any one of us, whoever would put their faith and trust in Him, would not perish but have everlasting life, would defeat death themselves spiritually for eternity. Not because we're good, because He is perfect. And when you put your faith and trust in Him, it can't be undone. And so if you've done that, but you've never then went public sharing people, here's what I've done in my heart. Make no mistake, baptism is your next step. Go in public for His honor and for His glory. Would you bow your heads with me? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, let me tell you, for some individuals, here next Sunday is going to be your day to go public with your faith through baptism. A beautiful picture outwardly of what Christ did on the inside of you. Let me ask you, what about you? Have you given your life to Christ but yet have not gone public? Then when you leave this room today, you can go right out to the What's Happening Center. You can let them know you want to participate and they're going to do a short meeting. They'll lead you to the meeting, give you all the information you need so you can know how to be prepared for next Sunday afternoon at 2 o'clock. They'll even let you know where it's at. You need an address, stop at the What's Happening Center. They'll give you a thing. It's, you can put it in your GPS. You can get there. You can invite your family, your friends. If you're here today and you've never crossed that line of faith and given your heart and life to Jesus, I want to invite you to make the greatest decision you'll make of your whole entire life. That is to turn over ownership of your heart to Jesus. Right where you're seated, if this is you, make this your prayer, your commitment to God through His Son, Jesus, who loved you enough to come and to live and to die to take your place. Say, God, I don't understand maybe all of this, but what I do know is that I'm a sinner. I've done many, many things wrong. I've been doing life my way. Today, you've got my attention. I'm turning from doing life my way, and I'm turning to you. I'm sorry for my sins, and I ask you to forgive me of all of them. Jesus, I understand when you hung on that cross and were brutally beaten, you were taking the punishment that I deserved. And when they buried you in a borrowed tomb, three days later you defeated death so that I can. This physical body one day will die, but the real me, I want to spend it in eternity with you. So I commit my heart and my life to you. Come into my heart. I receive you as my Savior and my Lord. And from this day forward, I want to love you like you love me. I want to serve you. I want to point people to you. I want to share my story of what you did for me. And I know my next step now is to go public with the decision that no one will know until I tell them or show them. And that's the purpose of baptism. And so I'm going to do it. I give you all the praise, the honor, and the glory. And everyone said and everyone typed in chat, Amen. Amen.